the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, hello, and a uh, pleasant post-Memorial Day weekend to you. Trust you had an uh, enjoyable time with family and took a few moments out to remember those that have served our nation, United States military vets, those that have passed, and uh, the tremendous sacrifice that they have made so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy. Although, we also recognize that some of those freedoms are being challenged. We'll talk a bit about that on tonight's program. We're also going to talk about China's foray into space and it isn't just for exploration and scientific research reasons maybe you might have guessed that we're going to get some details michael letts joins us he has been a longtime analyst of not just international affairs related to china but now their expansion into space and what exactly might be the motivating factor behind it all? That detail coming up a little bit later on in tonight's program. I want to lead off with a longtime friend of the show. Um, he is one of the um, leading thought shapers in our country today. He is by far one of the best Christian apologists that I know, author of more than two dozen best-selling books, including one of his latest called The Assault on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. Pleased to have join us on the program, religion and culture expert, Dr. Alex McFarland. And Dr. McFarland, always a delight. Thank you so much, Craig. It's really a privilege to be on with you. I respect you so much, and I thank you for having me. Let's talk a bit about what's going on. There's a number of stories that unfortunately aren't grabbing all the headlines that they perhaps deserve. A long, big part of that, I think, is because of the current battle over the, the current debt ceiling issue. And uh, But that, that said, I think uh, not just conservatives, but freedom-loving Americans of every shape, size, and color need to be aware of of some of these potential challenges to our um, First Amendment rights and and other rights, too. I want to start first with a little-known story out of Minnesota. They have been considering a bill, House Bill 181, that would create essentially a record. And this is starting to... (laughs) As I read this story, I thought, is this a page out of Stasi history in East Germany, or is this actually happening in the good old U.S. of A.? But no, it's right here at home. Uh, Allegedly, this would create a record of bias incidents. Now, they're not necessarily incidents of 
hate crimes, but rather cases where somebody perhaps um, spoke out of turn in polite company. And while, you know, I was always taught as a kid, if you don't have anything nice to say about somebody, then don't say anything at all. We know that there's an inability of a lot of people to um, engage that filter, so they will say things that are oftentimes crass and crude, and yes, even go to the point of oftentimes being um, um, prejudicial or racially motivated. And while all of that, of course, should be of concern to any and all of us, there is this little matter of the First Amendment that a bit gets in the way. And I don't know, I'm, I'm inclined to think that oftentimes just ostracizing somebody from polite society um, ought to be punished enough. But apparently in Minnesota, now they want to keep track of it all. Tell us what's going on. Well, well, Craig, thank you for bringing this important story to the forefront. Yeah, I mean, this is like in China, in communist China, they uh, are increasingly implementing this social credit score. And you think about in our own nation that is struggling with wokeness over truth, you know, um, really socialist Marxist statism versus a free Judeo-Christian Republic. I mean, look, look at some of the issues. Uh, abortion, the nature of marriage, but transgenderism, LGBTQ trans uh, enforcement, the rights of parents. I mean, if we don't um, retain our right to free expression and religious convictions, uh, Craig, I mean, imagine electronically uh, from your childhood aggression on the elementary school playground, competitiveness up through high school and college, you know, traditional values. Uh, imagine by the time you are trying to get employment or just go places in life, viewpoint suppression and you essentially being shut out of life because you don't agree with the secular, statist, hyper-secularized utopia that is being, you know, enforced upon us. Yeah, I mean, this is, and, and of course, there in Minnesota, legislation was on the table. Uh, it's not law yet. It could be, though. That would basically, you know, you it would be in your permanent record that you're anti-trans, your, your traditional marriage. And so uh, we're, we're living in a time that, here's, here's the bottom line, the vacuum created by the retreat of truth from the public square uh, into this vacuum is coming just lawlessness. Um, I've, uh, I was recently in an event with Dinesh D'Souza and Dinesh basically said, you know, there have always been people that are anti-God, but the, the pro-trans people are really anti-reality. And the church, courageous leaders, people that are courageous enough to stand for truth, it's our job to not only set forth reality and truth, but to stand against uh, error. And very few people, certainly very few pastors even, have the courage to do that anymore. 
you know, and it becomes problematic because at the end of the day, and I know this is painful for some of us to hear, but at the end of the day, the very rights enshrined in the Constitution that protects our ability to exercise our freedom of religion, to exercise our faith, our freedom of association, our First Amendment rights, yes, also happen to protect rights of people who have uh, maybe a religious viewpoint or hold opinions that not only don't agree with us, but are contrarian to our position. And yet, in in order for one to exist, the other has to exist. And, and, and sadly, I think a lot of people are missing the point here. I mean, you think about the notion of, well, let's create a registry so that somebody misbehaves and acts in a, a socially inappropriate fashion. We're going to make a note of it. What do you do with a record like that? And who's going to be in charge of deciding what's appropriate and what's not appropriate? I mean, when you start to get into that level of minutia, at the end of the day, I've got to believe that in the effort to try to get everyone to win, nobody wins. Well said, Craig. And here's what's happening with the social architects of, uh, you know, for, for lack of a better word, let's call it woke ideology. That, you know, 25, 30 years ago, it was, you know, just Democrat versus Republican. You know, are we fiscal conservatives or do we believe in the welfare state we are so so far beyond that craig i mean we are a hundred miles past what most people would think of traditional liberal versus conservative you ask the question keeping this social record where do you stand on all these ideological worldview issues radical environmentalism taking away private property ownership rights the rights of parents you know, the right to freedom of expression. I mean, to say Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior. I mean, that, that could be hate speech. Well, here's what the left will do. They will shut you out of life, commerce, health care, education, uh, employment, uh, homeownership. They will shut you out until you comply. Craig, I've, I've done a lot of media. I know you have, too. So... What's happening with the woke left is they're using the tools of a free republic to dismantle a free republic. Now, I want to say, if, you, if, if a person wants to engage in homosexual behavior, if a, person, if a male wants to put on female clothes and think that he's a female or a Furby or whatever, I mean, you're free to do that. You're free to live in any delusion you choose to create for yourself but do not compel me to agree that your delusion is my reality and so what people uh, I've said to people look you're free to do whatever you want Uh, but it's morally wrong it's self-delusional if not self-destructive and it certainly does not comport with 6,000 years of the best human thinkers much less the word of God. And so people say, well, you're, you're being hateful. No, I'm just saying, please do not twist my arm until I cry uncle and say, okay, the uncle is an aunt, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but the breakdown of the family, the liberalizing of the church, the emasculation of the culture, the secularization, the enforced secularization and suppression of 
truth in the classroom. This has brought us to where we are. Well, and listen, historically in this country, at least to my memory, and granted, I'm a lifelong Californian, so this might be a little bit um, perhaps tempered by or influenced by my my California roots. But, you know, the, historically, this country did not necessarily have a ingrained objection to occasional displays of of so-called uh, drag dressing. I mean, how many people ever watched Mrs. Doubtfire with their kids and thought it was an absolute riot? Milton Berle getting up on 1950s television in a dress. It, it, it was done in a lighthearted way, and I think the fundamental difference is between what was being done either in a closed room with a group of adults, uh, adults who were all consenting or done in, in, in clearly a way of getting a laugh and, and for comedic purposes. Now, fast forward from Milton Burrell, Uncle Milty, on, you know, the Texaco Theater uh, television show to now bringing it into the classroom and telling a six-year-old that this is appropriate day-to-day living behavior. Okay, now we've crossed the line, and I think that's what a lot of people are failing to recognize. It isn't all of a sudden that there's this big hue and cry. I mean, I, I saw the other day somebody in trying to, uh, to respond to much of the concerns over um, uh, gender dysphoria managed to pull out a clip from the 1940s, a World War II um, feel-good movie starring Ronald Reagan that had Ronald Reagan in a dress. Well, you know, again, it's who's the audience, what's being said, what's being conveyed, and what's the purpose behind it? And I think that's the point that a lot of people in this current debate are missing, and that is that the 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 audience and the and the nature of the way it's being presented has undergone a earthquake proportion shift. And I think that's what's bothering so many Americans these days. And then the notion of, you know, keeping track of bad behavior. My goodness, if we start doing that, there's not enough paper on the planet. There there, there aren't enough hard drives big enough to contain the record of all the bad behavior on the planet that we're now going to use this the way China does in so-called social credits to decide who's in and who's out. Because the big concern at the end of the day is... Who exactly gets to decide? We're visiting today with best-selling author, Christian apologist, Dr. Alex McFarland, talking about a bit of news that perhaps has not hit your radar screen, but it certainly has, and we're bringing it to you today uh, because I think these are issues of vital importance. One of the other topics that we're going to get into is the rewriting of Scripture in order to please PETA. Wait, what? Wait, what? Peter, you, you don't mean Craig the people for the ethical treatment of animals, do you? Oh, that's exactly who I mean. We'll get to that detail. Coming up next is our conversation with best-selling author Dr. Alex McFarland continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Our visit today with best-selling author, Christian apologist, Dr. Alex McFarland. One of the other issues, and I, I first saw this story uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, ah, somebody's playing a prank. It's a little late for April Fools, but somebody's playing a prank here. This has got to be a, an article that somebody's lifted out of the onion. But oh no, it seems to be quite legitimate that PETA. Also known as People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, has rewritten the book of Genesis using AI, and apparently they intend to move forward with rewriting the entirety of the Bible to make it more friendly toward animals. 
What? It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 the height of insanity. I mean, you're you're, you're going to go in there and suggest what? Well, to begin with, all animal sacrifice is clearly off the table. Uh, so that right. creates a pretty fundamental theological problem uh, with the entirety of the Old Testament. I mean, and and what what is the what to, from their viewpoint? What do they think they're even going to gain by by wading into theology? I mean, I don't I don't understand. Well, their their very name, Craig, is an oxymoron. People for the ethical treatment of animals. They don't believe in ethics. I mean, these are the same people that would uh, suspend the rights of Americans to save a spotted owl, but they would think nothing of aborting human beings. True. And so you've got to understand whether it be the woke left or uh, the people at PETA, that they have no moral compass. Now, why why they have an incentive to rewrite the Bible is because the Word of God, and that's what the Bible is, and by many compelling lines of evidence, we can defend that the Bible is indeed the Word of God. Uh, the Bible and people's knowledge of truth is what stands in the way of their radical environmental agenda. And let me say, all of the environmentalists and the green policies in California banning the sale of gasoline-powered automobiles in just a few short years, and the imposition, I mean, talk about quintupling everybody's carbon footprint, the, the absolute joke that is electric cars. I mean, the, the idea that that will help the environment, you know, let, let me... Let me show you the the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, exactly so. In fact, I was I was commenting the other day on the program uh, some recent uh, uh, mechanical and scientific research that did a study on this that determined in the state of California, for example, with our current electrical rates, that it is more expensive to operate an electric vehicle than it is a gasoline powered vehicle. And yeah, we want to protect the environment and all that good stuff. But it's also fascinating and I think troubling to note that fire departments around the state consider electrical fires, particularly vehicles like the Tesla, their worst nightmare because the average electric, the average automobile fire is about 3,500 gallons to extinguish it. The average electric car fire is about 35,000 gallons or 10 times the amount of water. You practically yeah. have to drown the entire vehicle to get the fire out. And of course, that aspect of protecting the environment, nobody ever wants to talk about. Well, and, and let me say, look, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from North Carolina, but I've, I've been to California to speak, I don't know, four dozen times. I've been all over Northern Southern California. It's been my extreme privilege because I love California. I love Californians. But listen, West Coasters, you better stop electing uh, liberals that are not in touch with reality. And, you know, uh, Deuteronomy 4, verse 2, Revelation twenty two eighteen, both Old and New Testaments regarding Scripture, it says, do not add to or take away. God, uh, remember him? God <laughs> has some incredibly strong language for those that change his word. And so for Peter, uh, my goodness, I, I, I plead with, with you folks, I beg of you, 
you're going to face God one day. And uh, rewriting the Bible to suit radical environmentalism, the worship of animals rather than the care of human beings, um, and, and I think about the millions of people that are going to be misled by all of this. It, it, Craig, it just goes to show how much people need the Lord Jesus. Our nation is so blind right now. And that's why what I do in, in our ministry, all of our broadcasts, our conferences, our camps that we're doing, uh, we, what we're doing and what I'm committed to, I and my staff and our board and all of our constituents, the only message that really can save America and individual souls, and that's that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead. We put our faith in Jesus. We are forgiven and set free. Christ Jesus is the only hope for this world and certainly for America. But um, my goodness, uh, I got to say this, the woke left, I love them. My heart grieves for how severely under the, the judgment of God they are. But aborted babies, immoral lives, enforced ungodliness, and now tampering with the scriptures, uh, liberal friend, you're going to have a lot to answer for. You better turn to Christ while you have time. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting to note uh, they say that history tends to repeat itself, how terribly cyclical all of this is. And I'm, I'm reminded of the children of Israel and their fashioning of the gold calf and worshiping it instead of the true God. My, my, how far we've come, and yet right back to square one again, repeatedly so. Our thanks to Dr. Alex McFarland for being with us tonight. Quick update there for you. Information available on the web, by the way, about his great work and ministry at alexmcfarland.com. That's alexmcfarland.com. It's amazing what's, uh, what's going on in our country and the direction that we seem to be headed in without a lot of thought or care as to what all this means. I want to add one thing, if I might, too. With regard to this issue of wokeness, he mentioned it a couple of times in a short interview. Uh, we don't have time to dive into this. But I, I think it's important that we also use proper definitions. I, I'm not sure what woke means, only because if you ask 10 people, you get 10 different answers. So we want to delineate. If we're talking about extremism, such as rewriting scripture in order to make it more animal friendly or uh, forcing views on children that are as young as eight years old and not allowing parents to have any say so and literally the raising of their own child. Uh, if that's the definition of wokeism, then I think it's a very dangerous thing. If, on the other hand, there is a definition of wokeism that is the sense of reality of the suffering of another individual and the kind of um, resistance that they found at life and opportunities, uh, either because of their nation of origin, the religion that they follow, 
um, the color of their skin, whatever the case might be. Well, that's certainly something that's dangerous, and there should be no room for that in America. Sadly, a lot of our history has allowed room for it, and I think that's a shame. Uh, but I think we need to be careful in terms of definitions because it's, it's easy to talk toss about terms, and then suddenly we're not sure who it is. We're, <laughs> what, what exactly is it we're expressing? Because there's no centralized, agreed-upon definition. And I think absent of that, we almost need to dig deeper so that we really understand what we're talking about. Failure to do so kind of gets us in the mess we're in right now where we're talking over each other or past each other and not with each other. And I think that's a shame. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It's not capturing a lot of headlines, although it really ought to. The the deeper foray into space by communist China. Now, they've had a presence there for a long time, and you might be aware of the fact that uh, some years ago they wanted to join the International Space Station. Of course, what was problematic about that was the tie between China's space exploration and its military. Although, truth be told, anything of value or importance in China is owned by the Chinese military. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. It's just a fact of reality. So with that, they were denied participation. So they decided, okay, we're going to create our own space station. Well, now now they're talking about doing even more in space. But is it all motivated by exploration and knowledge and understanding? Or is there perhaps a darker, more insidious agenda at foot? Well, my next guest is going to help shed some light on that very topic. Michael Letts is founder and president of Invest USA. They're a nonprofit organization that helps thousands of communities across the country provide bulletproof vests for police forces. And we'll talk a bit about his work in that arena a little bit later on. Meanwhile, Michael is also a, a very close watcher of Chinese affairs. And Michael, appreciate you taking time to be with us today. When there was an announcement here recently that uh, China wants to get uh, astronauts up on the moon and uh, maybe even doing some research up there on a prolonged basis as soon as 2030, is that an announcement with which we in the West should be concerned? We should definitely be concerned, Craig. And, And there's a reason why. I want to make sure your listeners understand this is not all happenstance or just occurring on a day-to-day basis. This is a well-orchestrated move. You know, the Communist Party of China has, from day one, determined world dominance. Along, of course, the Communist Russia feel the same way. And they have set about making sure that that objective is at some point in the future realized. Now, what would impede them or stands in the way of them being able to do that? Well, there happens to be one nation that is a free nation that is a beacon of liberty and freedom for the world. That's the United States of America. And that's always posed a problem for world dominance, for dictators, and for communism. And so they've been seeking for years ways as to how to bring us down to third world status, make us irrelevant, or completely take us over and destroy us. And so they have orchestrated a well-thought-out movement we're talking about the space issue tonight, but let me give you a couple other quick factors so that your listeners can understand how it all ties in. You know, China is predominantly the one who is responsible for the fentanyl 
dealing with drug cartels, bringing it across our borders. Now, what was their objective in that? Their objective was very simple, and that was to make sure that our young people, that we didn't have a future generation, that we destroyed and began to uh, kill the young people that this country has in its ranks now in America. But what are some of the other things they needed to go after? Well, they needed to go after our law enforcement, first responders, and our military. And so how did they accomplish that objective? Well, we know now, contrary to what we were told by this current administration who lied to us, is that the COVID-19 vaccine was actually developed in the Wuhan lab. And it was done under military application. This was not some, ooh, we're trying to figure out how to make the world a better place to be or how to keep people from being sick. This was actually a well-orchestrated move by the Chinese military to develop biological warfare. They developed the COVID-19 vaccine. It was released, not accidentally, but it was released in China as well as here and across the world. And quite frankly, it had an impact. I'm not saying it had the impact that they wanted to. I think the other thing that they found out very quickly was how quick Americans, unfortunately, and not just Americans, but citizens around the world, capitulate to fear. If they feel like their health is in danger, they're willing to give up liberties and freedoms that they never would have dreamed of doing before. So they were able to uh, go after our military. How did they do that? This administration, talk about the Biden administration, you remember mandated that everyone in the military had to have uh, the vaccine. They're not telling you this, but the reports are available for public record. They can find them on our website. We have a huge issue in the military now of young soldiers who haven't been vaccinated, have had adverse effects, who are being discharged for medical reasons, who are having heart conditions, among other things. Law enforcement being the same way. You remember the Biden administration took the position that all first responders, especially law enforcement, had to be vaccinated or be terminated. Uh, you remember many of them left the job. Same way with the military. You either had to accept the vaccination or you were disarmed or discharged. And uh, so they went after, so the Chinese went after our military and our law enforcement successfully. Just as I told you, successfully, they have been killing a lot of our young people through fentanyl crossing the border. They have successfully dealt with our, our damaged our economy. And how do we verify that? You know, the banks that have uh, been going bankrupt on the West Coast are those that are, have been defaulting. If you look and do the research, the depositors over the FDIC limitation of $250,000, the major depositors, the major money, have all been Chinese. And interestingly enough, the Biden administration has stepped in and ordered the FDIC to not only guarantee what every American citizen gets, is $250,000 guarantee, but to cover it all at taxpayer expense. So they are dealing with the American economy, toying with the American economy. Now let's talk about electronic surveillance, warfare surveillance. They have sent the balloons. We all saw what happened. We shot one of them down, but that's not one. And many of them have come across Chinese, again, take the position, oh, we're just uh, checking the environment, making sure the weather looks good for tomorrow. When we find out and look at the projectors of where they went, they were actually hovering over sensitive military bases. And the information they receive from their electronic surveillance is damaging and compromising to national security. They also have, most people are unaware of this, there are Chinese police stations located in the United States of America. New York, where 12 of them so far across the country. 
Uh, you know, we're in uh, San Francisco, among other places. They're all across the country. They have absolutely no right or authority to be on sovereign American soil, yet they're here. What has our Justice Department done about it? Nothing. They probably issued a couple of indictments, Craig, on a couple of Chinese. Well, first of all, why would they want to have a Chinese police station? Well, if you look at them, they all place these stations close to law enforcement areas where they can gather uh, and eavesdrop and gather intelligence, first of all, on American citizens. Second of all, on dissidents that come across from China, they monitor them very carefully. You know, they don't like people to say anything negative about communist China. And so they harass, intimidate, and uh, use various methods and forces to make life miserable for any Chinese dissidents that come over from China to try to escape communism in America. And now, unfortunately, they're also doing that to some American citizens as well. Now, what should the response be? Well, they're on illegally on American soil. This is national sovereignty of the United States of America. The administration should immediately expel them and remove them from American soil. But what have they done? No, they haven't done any of that. They had the Department of Justice investigate a few, indict a few, interesting enough, Craig, indict a few of the uh, police, and these are all certified Chinese police officers. Indict a few of them before they could serve the indictment, they notified them ahead of time, okay? So that they could leave the country and go have their counterparts be replaced by somebody else. So they're absolutely worthless, did nothing to, to impede the Chinese spreading and harassing American citizens. Why is all this occurring, Craig? Well, you take a look at our administration now, the Biden administration. This is not hyperbole. This is not hearsay. This is not conspiracy theories. These are facts we're just giving. We're just telling the American people what's going on. You make your own determination. But when you look at the files on the FBI computers from Hunter Biden, and you look at the emails, and you look at the bank accounts, and of course Congress is now doing this now. Jim Cromer from the Oversight Committee, Jim Gordon, Jordan, excuse me, from the Judiciary. We are finding factual evidence of millions of dollars in payments given to the Biden administration, Joe, Hunter, his family, for what? You know, people don't just pay you, Craig, I'm gonna give you a million dollars because I think you're a nice guy. They want something in return. We can find no evidence of anything given in return, except for, get this now, you understand that when Biden was both vice president, even when he was senator, but especially when he was vice president, he took na- classified national security documents and brought them to his home, I use that word plural, who guess who also had an office in his home? His son, Hunter, operated out of those homes. So those national security classified files were made available to anybody he brought over, and we have documentation and evidence that he brought over his Chinese counterparts and friends for parties at that home quite often. So they had access to all these national security files. Have you seen anything come out of it? No, but what do you see happening on a policy basis? It's obvious that by being paid millions of dollars to the Biden administration, and what their Chinese Communist Party is getting away with against our country now. But this administration is compromised. It is sold out to the Chinese. In the old days, we call that treason, of a high and aggravated nature. And their constitution provides penalties for treason against the United States of America. But how are we going to effectuate that? Well, you got a Department of Justice and you got an FBI 
whose whistleblowers are now providing not hearsay, documentation that these agencies are committing felonious acts. What do I mean by that? They are committing felonies. You know, you can't they eavesdrop and bypass getting search warrants for uh, checking on the backgrounds or eavesdropping on American citizens 278,000 times last year alone. Well, and then sadly, you know, issues related to that, even with the FISA court, going back to 9-11, that, frankly, I've always wondered why the U.S. Supreme Court never put a clamp down on it, um, because, quite frankly, all of this under the guise of, well, we need to rout out terrorists. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're spying on a lot of Americans that have no connection with terrorism whatsoever and with pretty significantly thin evidence. And sadly, that's gone on in this country for way too long. Michael Letts, founder and president of Invest USA. Michael, thanks for the time. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Today, a bit of a disclaimer in that if you have young ears near the radio, it might be a good time to busy them elsewhere around the house as uh, we get an opportunity to kind of talk parent to parent, dealing with a topic that, um, quite frankly, you do need to be talking to your children about. And this is the topic about talking about the topic. If I thoroughly confused you now, good. When we were kids... Not that many years ago, I constantly remind myself, uh, we learned about the birds and the bees from a variety of sources. Usually they were peers who had either heard about it from older brothers and sisters or maybe had stumbled upon uh, dad's magazine collection, something of that sort. And so we kind of came up through the process of learning about um, sexuality through outside sources, and then eventually mom and dad came along and sat down and had the talk. I remember when my dad had the talk, and I'm not sure who was more nervous about it, he or I. Well, that sense of nervousness hasn't changed much, but I'll tell you what has changed. The sense that parents have in terms of what the talk should consist of, what the kids do and do not already know about sexuality, and then third and perhaps most importantly, how early that conversation needs to take place. Um, we would think in this day and an age with the over-sexualization of our society that this would be an easier conversation to have. But for many parents, it's become increasingly more difficult. So at what point can we begin a meaningful and age-appropriate conversation about such subjects as sexuality, pornography, and even more serious sexual abuse? Well, my guest today has some insights on that very topic. In fact, she is the author of a new book called Five Things Every Parent Needs to Know About Their Kids and Sex. And Marie Miller, thanks for taking time to be with us tonight. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is one of those discussions that every parent knows that they should have or need to have with their son and daughter. And yet, uh, I think all have the tendency to want to put it off. And, And as you suggest in the book, almost every parent today has a number of really severe misconceptions about what their child knows, when they learned it, and what the source was. So maybe we can start with kind of, uh, before we we encourage parents on how to educate their own children on the topic of sexuality, perhaps some parents need to be educated to begin with. 
Sure. Um, what kind of brought this topic to mind so much that I felt like it was kind of my message to share with the world was um, my own story. I grew up a preacher's kid in a, a very conservative Southern environment and was never talked to about sex. And through that was um, abused by a youth pastor, unfortunately, and exposed to pornography in my teens. And this was years and years and years ago. Um, and God has healed me in tremendous ways. And so I started sharing my story to high school students, college students, and then even more recently, middle school students. And what came out of years of sharing my story was learning that children as young as 10, nine years old um, are, are being abused, are exposed to pornography, and they're terrified to talk to their parents about it. They're, they feel so much shame. And so once I, I kind of saw that this is a, a very common pattern, I started doing some research into what our kids are exposed to and when and why it's so important to talk to them a lot sooner than we think is is realistic. One of the big um, issues that you take umbrage with early on and throughout the book, and maybe it's a good jumping off point for our discussion today, and that is this notion that every parent has that my child is the exception. Um, this idea that, well, uh, my son or daughter, they were raised in a good Christian home or a good Christian school or they have good Christian parents or a good Christian upbringing, and therefore we don't need to worry about such matters. I'm not going to be concerned about them sexually early or or getting in trouble because after all we've done all the right things what what is wrong about this misconception that many parents have that it's not going to be their kid that their kid is the sole exception sure no i think there's kind of a, a two-part answer to that the first being it's not about sheltering like we can shelter our children as much as possible we can hide them in the basement away from technology not give them smartphones or ipads or anything like that um, but sheltering is not the answer. It's having a conversation is because at some point your child is going to be an adult and will need to know how to process sexualized information that they received from the world. And on the other hand of this, I was the exception. Um, like I said before, I was a preacher's kid. I grew up in a very small town that was very conservative with good values and great parents and a great home life and a small school. And, and I mean, this was before the Internet, so I wasn't even exposed to what's on the Internet now um, at that young of an age. But yet, unfortunately, as I said, life still happened and, and I was still abused by somebody and through that abuse was exposed to pornography and was terrified to talk to my parents about it. So now with the internet and apps and social media, even though you may be doing everything you can to, to shelter or to protect your child and, and that's very valuable, your child probably has a friend who has access to the internet or will hear something on the radio or hear something even at church um, just that another child says that they need to be prepared to know how to respond to. So we can't protect our, our children from everything all the time. And it's really about teaching them how to process that. And, and you know, the irony, uh, Anne-Marie, is it's not that many years ago, not that many generations ago, when the whole issue of a child being introduced to such matters was a question of uh, when it was going to happen and uh, under what circumstances the parent would introduce the topic. Today, as you suggest, with peer pressure, media, entertainment, social media, at all, uh, it almost sounds like this is sort of a grace against time, meaning that they'll be exposed to it. 
The question is, who gets to them first and what kind of a message are they exposed to? Is it the healthy, biblically-based viewpoint on sexuality and reproduction and uh, this creation of God? Or is it the distorted view that is one that, quite frankly, for a lot of kids, I think, can... um, can lead them to believe that this is just simply uh, a a, a dirty subject. Right. There's um, so much in the world today that is changing. What values were right 20 years ago are wrong now, and and vice versa. And by teaching our children that the Scripture is the truth and Scripture doesn't change and giving them that perspective early on is so key to forming their their sexual development and and how they interpret sexual messages from the world Um, because they're there. They're they're going to receive them, and the parents should be on the front lines of of communicating that and being a, a valuable and trustworthy place for their kids to come to to talk about sex. Anne-Marie Miller, our guest today, a look at five things every parent needs to know about their kids and sex. We'll deal with the big question of what about this matter of exposure to online porn and how early can it potentially begin? We'll address that question and more as Lifeline continues. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 